0: We're just gonna get more pigeon holders, crude vulgar workerists, aren't we? No. I <laughs> Okay. So this is gonna be my
1: cheesy intro, okay? Love it. Hello, and welcome to the first installment of Angry Workers' new podcast series. Most of you will probably know us as writers of very long articles on the internet, but we thought, okay, it's 2021, it's about time we diversified, and so we're doing this podcast series, and it's a chance for us to talk a bit about what we've been discussing in our internal meetings. And we're hoping to reach new audiences and it's a way for us to break down bigger topics in a more accessible way. So we're new to this. We're learning as we go. So things might be a bit rough around the edges. But we hope that you stick with us and we're happy to hear any feedback as we go along as well. So we're kicking off with a discussion about workers inquiry. So this is a buzzword. It's been circulating for a few years now, mainly in academic circles. But where does it come from, what does it actually mean to us, how is it being used today, and is it actually a useful concept in our political work? So to discuss these questions we've got Mark and Luke here from Angry Workers and I'm Kieran. Would you both like to say hello? Hi!
2: Hello. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're there, okay. So Angry Workers has written a lot about workers' inquiry over the years and some of us at least are quite wedded to the concept And it's been the main framework that we've tried to do our political work by. But we're aware that it means different things to different people. And some of the stuff that calls itself workers' inquiry these days, we think falls far short of what a workers' inquiry should be. And this came to light recently in a discussion that we had about a new book that's out, um, edited by Robert Ovetz. It's called Workers' Inquiry and Global Class Struggle, Strategies, Tactics, Objectives. I mean, we're discussing it in one of our meetings, and we think it's quite a good example of the misunderstandings of the Workers' Inquiry concept, and discussing it gave us a chance to clarify our own thoughts, I guess, on, on Workers' Inquiry, and how it differs from the authors in the book's idea of Workers' Inquiry. So we'll dive right in, and we'll start off with the big question, what is Workers' Inquiry?
2: Hmm. That is indeed a big question. Well, I think it's like, historically at least, it was uh, moments where there was a very close relationship between political groups and groups of workers uh, in struggle, where you had a collective process of, let's say, discussion, discovery of both how can you build your collective power based on the fact that you work together, you, that you're part of a, of a workforce, the wider production process, and how this production process is related to society in general. So it was always like a political element to see that the way production is organized is not just due to some kind of natural factors or, you know, the question of is it effective, but it is uh, shaped by the system. So it was always a process of demystifying that things have to be like they are. So why is why is the production process hierarchical? Why don't we have control over it? That was always part of um, a worker's inquiry.
0: I'd just add as well that a lot of people will go on about Marx's hundred question questionnaire that he got no responses to. That's a terrible place to start <laughs> when thinking about uh, worker's inquiry and its utility. It's it's much more bound up with the sort of with the revolutionary politics of going back. To Marx and his critique of political economy, and seeing how that related to capitalism as a, a later stage of development, and and with the revolutionary vision in mind. So,
2: I mean, if you look at the inquiries back then, it was not like it's now presented that it was like a one to one relationship between okay, we try to find out how work is organized, and then try to find the ways that we can you know organize and struggle. It was a lot of it was seeing the first volume of you know Marx's Capital and how it looks like through the working day, uh, machinery, big cooperation, all that, and try try to see how how is that playing out today, like a uh, hundred years later and um, it was really like you know a lot of the questions and questionnaires were more like you know how is your work organized and how do you experience the contradiction that on one hand obviously you produce something that needs to have a certain quality on the other hand it's all about churning out stuff in order because the, the actual product is not the interest but you know the profit you make with it And this kind of contradiction, how does it play out in various ways, like the way that machinery is used, you know, machinery for workers, either seen as, you know, just a tool, uh, like a neutral tool, or something that doesn't really work well, and has to be constantly, you know, improvised with, or like a, a control mechanism, but it's, you know, they really try to understand why is machinery contradictory like that, and also the cooperation between workers, so to see that on one hand, capital needs cooperation as lifeblood and you know, as the main source of productivity. On the other hand, cooperation is always a danger if workers cooperate too closely. So there you've got a political contradiction. So all that was part of these inquiries. It was not like an organizing tool. It was like you know thinking through, let's say Marx or a critique of uh, capital through the actual experience so and that is largely missing as well from from today's kind of inquiries or even the the talk about inquiries No uh, yeah
0: absolutely
1: yeah, I mean, when I think about workers' inquiry, I think of it as, as a method primarily, and it's about foregrounding workers' own experiences and their own perspective from the shop floor, and basically acknowledges that workers themselves have a lot of knowledge. And the question is, how do you kind of use that knowledge to your own advantage, and not just individually, but as a class? And, you, know, that's, you know, that's all kind of self-explanatory, I guess, you know, the workers know best because they, they do it. But we run into problems, don't we? Because your particular knowledge might be very specific. So you might be doing a particular job or you've got a particular skill or, you're, you know, you're privy to certain things that like other workers in that same workplace don't know. And the workforce is very divided, even on a workplace level. And then if you're thinking about in more global terms, you know, how do you kind of bring all of these bits of knowledge together for the benefit of the class? So looking at how the class is composed, I guess, is also a fundamental part of workers' inquiry.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that's, that's something that maybe we'll get onto a bit later, but that feels as though it's a, a big part of what's missing in, in a lot of the sort of new resurgent ideas of, and sort of attempted applications of workers' inquiry. Is you know it being fundamentally grounded in class composition theory, as you know, and as, as a sort of class-wide project in a sense, rather than sort of you know this workplace or this boss, mm-hmm. you know this strike, but, you know rather the sort of relations of the of the wider working class to the, both the production and exchange processes, how that politically forms, and the implications of it. That that all feels kind of missing from, or at least in my opinion, from from Ovitz's book. It's something quite similar uh, that we see with the u k group that's sort of founded in this these ideas of sort of reappropriations of operaismo and uh you know workers inquiry they 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 yeah they sort of strip away the political content which arguably is probably the most important part if you're if you're working as a as a communist militant so
2: no, and I think also like uh, historically, if you look at al for example, he said that there are only the collective worker, um, let's say a, a perspective that doesn't look just as, you know, at a singular workplace or, you know, department or even kind of sector. You you can really like see the systemic nature of certain characteristics of the production process. And he said, you know, the, the individual worker will just see like micro conflicts after micro conflict and tries to solve them and thereby compensating for the let's say shortcomings of the system and yeah also developing capitalism through you know improvisations and all that And you, as a worker, will be constant, in constant conflict and dispute. And each one seems like a single incidence of, you know, arbitrariness or, um, yeah, mismanagement. But only if you see it from a bigger perspective, you can see that these are actually intrinsic things that are systemic. And for that, you would need organization. So a single worker or even single, you know, political part achieved to that perspective that has to come out of an organizational process. And um, that's what they tried back then.
0: I think another important part, probably the most important part, obviously, of an inquiry that, again, we find lacking a lot is the necessity of this, of the results of this, you know, discovery and demystification to be circulated amongst workers you know workers in any given struggle as a way of sort of collectivizing the the consciousness the, the sort of class consciousness of, of the struggle you know and, that, and that's something that anybody who talks about workers inquiry will say and it's often something that is kind of ignored in practice <laughs> like they can, they'll say we're writing this workers inquiry but it sort of just, it ends up seeming a lot like political sort of it's like patting yourself on the back or or, or like overly academicized practice because because it doesn't get circulated back amongst workers and i mean going back to the sort of historical roots of it in the 60s you know the, the 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 group um set up this this journal class i don't know how to pronounce it basically it's like the journal was called working class in italian and the the main project here was you know an organizational project of, of this group this of communist militants was to develop a sort of network of political newspapers in workplaces for the purpose of recirculating this. Mm. And a lot of this, you know, comes out of, of Leninist practices as well. Yeah. So, I mean, this, you know, sort of going on to Ovitz's book, this is something that's clearly missing. I mean, you've got articles in there or, or essays in there that claim to be a workers inquiry from above, which is problematic in itself. From struggles in 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 2015, you know, I mean, far be it from me, but I, I don't know if Turkish truck drivers. Is it, what use is this? Is, is this sort of workers' inquiry from above for, to a struggle that happened in 2015? And like hell, if the truckers are actually reading it, you know, it's it it seems a bit masturbatory, really.
2: Well, I think it's still kind of useful. It's useful research work. It's like, uh, you know, for your preparation. If you want to know something about the logistics sector in Turkey, you can read that article and that's fine but it's not yeah as you said it's not part of a let's say a collective political intervention and it's not really done by the workers themselves and there we can also say self-critically what we did in West London was not as such a workers inquiry because we never really we had like moments where you know we were in a room with let's say 60 uh, women from that sandwich factory and we tried you know to encourage like you know let's reflect together on what we're doing and what we have done and, and how can we go forward but that was like out of six years that was a moment of an hour or like maybe the meetings that Kirin had with the was a factory cleaners where you look at your job description and see how you can use it against uh, the company but you know we never had a really sustained process of that so that's not an easy one and it's very much dependent on the wider political atmosphere you know do workers do that are they, are they seeing the, also the, you know, uh, political hope of just beyond saying, okay, how do we make this campaign more effective? I mean, yeah, people sit together and see it as a tool. Okay, how can we, you know, analyze our enemy and then our, our own forces? And then we can, I don't know, get better bargaining position. Even that is kind of difficult to achieve, but to lift that to an element of, you know, let's really like, try to understand our situation as a class and so on that's that's a whole different ball game and there you can't blame anyone let's say for not being able to do workers inquiries at the moment you know because that's it would require a whole different social situation of of struggle that is largely absent I think it's good to remind ourselves of the social situation when uh, these groups started, the inquiries in in Italy in the 60s, where you had a crisis of a communist movement. Basically, I mean, Communist Party, their reaction to the, the partisans' disarmament of, you know, the working class element of that. You had 1956, or as, first of all, the, you know, Stalin's crimes came out. And then the tanks in in Budapest, in Hungary. So there was a whole kind of militant base of the Communist Party that had one blow after the other and was then also as workers undermined by migrant labor from the south and a new production system. And the party itself was more and more removed from the factory base. So these guys said, "Okay, we have to understand this kind of new situation where we've got an old kind of workers militancy still tied up with a party that is, you know, has lost any kind of revolutionary significance. And we have capital that is actually revolutionary, that actually changes society so quickly. Uh, And bringing in new workers who have got a very different relationship to work and to society, see it as something rather negative clashing with these old old workers so what happens in that process when you know spontaneous struggles emerge from migrant workers confronted with an older often trade union type of movement of the skilled workers how do you reconstitute a political project you know or like an organization and it was only at that point where they said we have to really go back both to Marx and to the workers and reread Marx while having discussions about the new quality of that, yeah, what they found, like the, the current factory organization. And, you know, what would that be today? I mean, some people try to say, okay, what happened with labor had maybe something, you know, similar, but What do we compare here? I mean, the Communist Party in the 50s in Italy, that was already like removed from the working class to a certain degree and from his revolutionary, from the revolutionary roots. I mean, that was decided in the 20s. And to compare Labour in 2021 with that situation is just, to me, it doesn't make too much sense.
0: But yeah, I mean, this is the the problem with most communists, self-described, are part of you know the sort of like middle class at the moment you know that they're, they're removed from the working class base in a, in a more broad view obviously not just as people who sell their labor power you know
1: <laughs> I mean a lot of um, things that describe themselves as workers inquiry these days tends to be workers interviews mm. so the attempt to kind of see things from a worker's perspective I mean that's kind of the first thing that you would think of as a way to kind of do that or let's interview a worker Obviously, that's kind of quite limited on its own. And so if we think of workers' inquiry as ultimately workers themselves being in a position to analyse their situation, to get a kind of deeper understanding of what is happening in their workplace, what is happening in their sector, how they relate to different workers in different countries, along supply chains, that kind of thing, And the fact that that takes quite a high level of consciousness, trust, self-confidence, organization, you know, where where does that leave us at the moment? You know, is it just about, we just have to organize, organize, organize until we get to this point? And obviously that has some merit, right? Like, You're not just going to turn up at work one day and suddenly there's a big workers assembly and everyone's at the highest point of consciousness. I mean, these things somehow are incremental. You know, you build up your power slowly. You build up trust amongst your co-workers over time. And I guess this is like the syndicalist position, right, that you just keep organising until you get to a point where you're all kind of solid and you can fight together and you're more of a united front. OK, so we can kind of discuss that maybe. Like, is that, is that a kind of strategy that we should pursue in order to get to this point where we can do workers' inquiry? And then there's the other idea of, well, OK, that's just never going to happen because people are not in work, in jobs long enough. They're moving around, they're transient. You know, it's a very kind of individualised and atomized society. The production process is organised so that it kind of really tries to limit situations and, and daily experiences where workers can feel they can trust and cooperate with each other and so you know we just have to wait for the masses to like come out onto the street and then this mass will somehow form itself into assemblies it will organize its material survival on a day-to-day level and things will work out for it for itself and will work things out for itself and I think like in between these two things I would be, you know, more on the syndicalist side of things, of like, well, actually, like practically, there are things that we can do to help nurture and develop these connections between workers and self-confidence and so on. But that also doesn't seem enough. Mm -hmm. So, what would we propose then?
2: Well, I think when you said, uh, "Oh, nowadays people don't stay in the jobs for long enough and they move around and all that," so is there any kind of continuity that would allow any kind of organizational process? I mean, again, if you go back to the original debate, uh, Sergio Bologna, he wrote an article about the basically the material basis for the council movement, you know, in the nineteen twenty or like seventeen to twenty-one uprising, and compares it to the situation that you had in the US with the IWW, and. That's, I think, a good text also to discuss class composition, because you're not only looking at sociologically how, you know, are different workers organizing due to their backgrounds or, you know, their position in the production process. He really looks at our skilled workers in certain industrial centers. Uh, In that post-First World War revolution, we able to produce something like a council as both a political and economic structure and a kind of vision of a new society on one hand, and then compares it to a situation in the US where you had like uh, more migrant labor, seasonal labor, um, very mobile, and where these kind of, you never had really a council movement. You, You also didn't have like these big socialist parties that had a similar base. But you had the IWW, and he looks at, you know, these kind of political expressions that came out of that. So I think, obviously, we're neither uh, in 1917 nor, you know, any time in the US Um, (laughs) pre-war. Astute observation.
0: (laughs) Astute observation. We're not in a time machine. Uh...
2: (laughs) But, um, yeah, I think... You still have these kind of two poles, syndicalism or movement in the sense of only the movement. I think that that is what, what, you know, class composition and, you know, to a certain degree, workers in quiet try to bring together because uh, it's neither just, okay organize where you are. Nor is it uh, or everything will just happen once the movement is underway. It's a bit like, okay, what is the relationship between the, you know, already we can see certain objective concentrations in certain industries. At the moment, I think it's not by chance that something like key sector, essential sectors in such a social um, crisis becomes a talking point or that workers there are really also under attack at the moment. So I think the yeah the the fusion would be to to say yeah you you focus on sectors or on on moments where the these contradictions are the most developed and at the moment we can see that there are a lot of attacks on you know terms and conditions pay. Or on jobs itself in this kind of in the essential sector, but the trade union response up to now is um, is very insular or kind of you know not even sectorial, not even sectorial. It's like not even workplace based. If you look at Heathrow, it's not even the workplace. It's really like they just take the legal limits that are set to them and organize their struggle within that. So um, the question there is like, how can you be part of that process and at the same time Open up some bigger questions, like how is this pandemic handled? How is it that I don't know the thirty percent, forty percent of workers who do the material production reproduction of society are in such a mess? and how you know is that at the same time a potential to think about radical reduction of uh, the working time? And we are more and more pushed into that by the crisis. I mean, the crisis will either mean a lot of people lose their jobs and the other guy is gonna work like twelve hour shifts. Or it will mean the working class can enforce that, first of all, we focus on these sectors that are necessary for our survival, you know, shift from shit production to, you know, something like PPE. We saw these kind of disputes emerging during the lockdown and uh, everyone works and everyone works less. We, we don't, that's not our problem. The, the crisis is like, you know, it's the crisis of the bosses. And from there, we debate, you know, what is it, what is workers' control on a, on a social level? But all that doesn't make no sense if you're not organized, if you're not like in the most most syndicalist sense organized. Mm. I think at the moment there's, there's work to do on various levels. Back to the class composition thing, most of the stuff is like still relating mainly uh, to the north of Italy and the relation to the south. That was like as far as the debate uh, went uh, how industrial centers relate to underdeveloped areas or like you know less industrialized areas obviously now you have a global kind of situation that is way more complex uh, not like you know with un- one nation state and there has never really been a very satisfying or like sufficient effort to take what is there in, in terms of you know the concepts from the 60s and you know scale it up to the complex situation that we face today. And that is one thing that is underdeveloped, and there's no real debate. And unfortunately, Robert's book is rather, you know, it's, it's stating the problem. But it's not really bringing any new concepts. It's just like saying, okay, we know basically what's what, and we just have to kind of empirically add to it and have more reports. Uh, But I think that's not sufficient, really. It has to be a much wider question of, you know, re-debating what is, you know, imperialism, uh, development, underdevelopment, all these combined developments and all this shit. So that's one discussion that is somehow there is no collective effort. I mean the various people see the problem, but there's we haven't found the forum to to have that debate. And then there's the question how we integrate the struggles that you know we are involved with. And this could be, you know, around Amazon, question of logistics, the current defensive struggles. How do we bring these practical experiences and this debate together?
0: Talking about like discussions in Italy around sort of the north and south. I mean, this is something that you know perhaps could be an immediate thing that we could that we should be doing in the UK. We could look at the north and south mm. and the differences there. Because I mean, people talk about the the underdevelopment of the north, or rather, I guess, like the de-development of the north. But the only sort of answers that have been floated out there are sort of you know petty nationalisms mm. uh, like this. You know, I'd say just. just absolutely batshit idea of like (laughs) northern independence have the the nation of Northumbria come back
2: like I mean Free Warsaw
0: yeah (laughs) that's it I mean we we should just go back to you know uh, city-state shouldn't we and uh, (laughs) like
2: Uh, in the end it's also like and that came out maybe with the book the question is not like to be you know oh academics can't be part of this process you know, it's not we're not workers in that sense that, oh, you have to be a worker in the industry in order to be part of it. But obviously, there's a criticism of the academic mode of production of, of these type of texts and things. It's all very individual. It's part of, you know, um, individual academic progress, which makes collective work very difficult, which means that that's an organizational question. How can you have an an organization that in itself defines the collective, let's say, methods of work and overrides these tendencies amongst academia of individualization? And traditionally, I mean, SWP and these kind of parties, they have their kind of main academics and um, they try to rein them maybe in, or to use them or whatever. But it's at least there's a kind of somehow an idea how to, you know, structure that relationship between the base and, you know, some intellectual comrades. But we don't, yeah, we don't really have that. We don't have organizational idea how to come to collective work. And that's another bigger question.
1: Okay, so um, we're going to wrap up this discussion for today. If anyone is interested in reading a more detailed review on the OVETS edited book on Workers' Inquiry that we've been talking about during the discussion, it's called Workers' Inquiry and Global Class Struggle, Strategies, Tactics, Objectives, then go on the Angry Workers website and you'll see a longer review there. And otherwise, yeah, thanks. And we will see you next time. Yeah. Stay
0: angry. rivoluzione, quando poi
1: La violenza e la rivolta che hai citato Questa volta lo sarà con noi domani